the best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. Put it a little earlier on. Country Head IDB representative in studio with us this morning to tell us some of what's going on. Let's welcome to our program, Karina Coburn. Good morning to you. Good morning. It's it's nice to have you with us. I need to speak a little more and pull the microphone a bit closer. Okay, is yeah, this better? It is much Great. better. Nice to have you with us here this morning. We hear so much about the IDB. You know, it, it's always in the news. You're always hearing about the government and the IDB and, and all of these things. Many people really may not necessarily know who or what the IDB is or we help or, um, or some of the things that they've been involved in. And it's a pretty intense discussion we're going to have in a short space of time. But before we do that, let me allow you to familiarize the listener with just, uh, just who you are. Tell us a bit about yourself and some of the things that you're involved in and, and your relationship with the IDB. Sure. So good morning to you again and good morning to the listeners. Um, my name is Karina Coburn, which has a very funny spelling. But nevertheless, it's it's pronounced Coburn and spelt Cockburn. I understand that that is a name that's very familiar to Trinbagonians. I am a daughter of Jamaica, but I've been living outside of Jamaica since 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked with the IDB maybe going on 15 years now. Before that, I used to work with the Ministry of Finance in in Jamaica as an advisor to the Minister of Finance. Mm-hmm. And then with the IDB, I worked in Jamaica for a few years and then in Washington, D.C. in headquarters as advisor for the Caribbean region and then here in Trinidad and Tobago. So one of the interesting things about working with a multilateral institution like the IDB is that you do have the opportunity to work in many different countries and also to work on many different topics so it's quite interesting and possible to have a long career with the bank yeah now let's get to the to the bank itself um the idb the name suggests is a bank that deals on a level that the average individual um may not necessarily be familiar with the workings of the the objective the mandate of the IDB so so let's let's begin our discussion there by explaining to people who or what is the IDB thank you very much so we we have been doing quite a bit of work here in Trinidad and Tobago to make the inter-american development bank more familiar and accessible to citizens because really our mandate is to improve the lives of citizens across Latin America and the Caribbean. And so we have offices in 26 countries Mm -hmm. across Latin America and the Caribbean. And um, our objective there is to address economic development issues and contribute to economic growth and development in these countries. Mm. So... Uh, let, let's narrow it down now to Trinidad and Tobago. So people have an idea of who you are. Uh, they have an idea of what the bank is supposed to be doing. Well, let's tell them what the bank has been doing with Trinidad. How long has the relationship been ongoing and what are some of the things that are noteworthy that have come out of partnerships and, and, and arrangements and facilities with the IDB and Trinidad and Tobago? Thank you. So we, we have been in Trinidad and Tobago well over 50 years by now. 
So it's, it's a long and enduring relationship and it's been through many cycles. We've been involved in, in several important projects in the country over that time frame. I, I guess um, right now our country strategy with the country is aimed at aligning with some of the government's main priorities. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, we are focusing on digital transformation. Um, but that doesn't mean that we only do standalone digital transformation work. We work in a variety of sectors. And I guess in, in recent memory, um, citizens might be aware of the construction of the San Fernando and Malabar wastewater treatment plants. We, we have financed that. Um, we have financed um, health, uh, particularly um, the, the response to the non-communicable disease mm -hmm. epidemic, I guess you could call it, in, in Trinidad and Tobago. And, and so we, we have been working there. We, we have supported quite extensively the COVID response in the country, um, where we helped to deploy doctors and nurses that were needed during COVID and to finance some of the um, payments, special payments that were made in order to respond to the, to the pandemic. On the private sector side as well, we have worked with the, the Home Mortgage Bank and collaborated with RBC to issued the Caribbean's first social bond a couple of years ago mm. and that that is aimed at expanding um, mortgage finance for um, low and middle income people we invest in digital businesses and um, we provide a range of capacity building training advice research for both the public and the private sector I think that's that's an element of the IDP's business that the, the, the average individual may not be aware or appreciative of. That it's not just government and IDB, that you all do deal with businesses and, and, and the public. Um, and, and that information, I think, has, I don't know if it's a closely guarded secret or what, but it doesn't seem to be widely available enough for people, uh, or at least enough people, to know that this is an option that's available to them based on what business they're in and whether it's in alignment with the mandate of the IDB at the point in time, given whatever program they're, they're, they're pursuing, that people can access assistance from the IDB. Uh, how does one go about doing that? Absolutely. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about that. So, um, on the private sector side, we will work with entities, micro, small and medium-sized enterprises, particularly those that are working on the circular economy or on innovation or in the digital space. Because we're not a commercial bank with the capacity to work with individuals, we tend to do it through um, calls for proposals. So from time to time, we may, may issue a call for proposal for proposals that, that invites people to apply if they have an idea to finance a, a recycling project, for example. Mm -hmm. Or under the Shaping the Future of Innovation project where, where we collaborate with the Ministry of Planning and Development and the European Union, which has provided extensive financing for that program. 
we, we invite um, firms that are working in the innovation space to apply and receive grants to grow their businesses or advance the work that they're doing. Hmm. So um, we try to get the word out um, through social media mainly. We, we, we communicate quite a lot through that forum, but also through the newspapers. And, and we try to go out to the community as well. We have an annual community outreach event which we've held in different communities over the last six years. So we've mm -hmm. been to Chaguanas, we've been to um, Arima. Last year we were in Tobago, which was absolutely wonderful. And, and we try to communicate with citizens at the community level about our work and, and their ability to access um, support for their ideas through the IDB. Mm. And of course, we're always open to, to talking about it. If you do have an idea, it's easy to, to contact me or one of the team via social media or to call our office, which is right on Alexandra Street. Mm -hmm. So it, it, there's a world of possibilities. Absolutely. Once. And, and I think it's important, if I may, that citizens play a role in the development of the country. Right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't only have to be big business or government, civil society has a very important role to play. Mm -hmm. um, we have a, an, an, a very active civil society board we call the Next Gen Board. We meet with them monthly. We, we work with them on, on different projects and initiatives as well. I, 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 there, there, there is also the need for this to work properly, for people to identify what certain things mean, what working in the digital space means, what what all of these things mean because there are people who are doing things that qualify outright but they just don't know uh, they've engaged in, in in some sort of activity one way or the other uh, because they saw a need and they are satisfying that need but they, they they have not gone the next step to say well okay well what I am doing here is in fact part of a greater movement uh, and as as being successful in this the way I am I can grow this and I can, I can make this explode if I get the right guidance and, and assistance. And, and that might be a, a hurdle for a lot of people as well. Um, I, I, I know tourism may not necessarily fall within the ambit, but I, I look at a lot at, uh, at some of these videos you have of vloggers who've gone to some of these countries. And people have started, it's a, a ground up um, movement yeah. where people have taken it upon themselves to want to show the world what their country is about. Using social media, they've now developed companies, set up companies that bring people and show them these experiences on their own. And, and there is now a movement, or a, there is a tourist now who does not want the sand and sea anymore. They want experiences. They want to see how people live. They want to see what people yeah. eat. Authentic experiences. I'm so glad you mentioned that, Satish, because Late last year, we actually took a group of, of um, tourism um, stakeholders from Tobago to Treasure Beach, which is a, a, a town in Jamaica, an area in Jamaica, which promotes community tourism. Mm -hmm. So it's a model where the entire community is, is part of the tourism offering, which isn't just about large hotels. In fact, they don't have big hotels there. They have what we would call medium-sized properties. Where in Jamaica is um, this? It's in on the south coast, a 
beautiful part of Jamaica that isn't often um, spoken, spoken about. about. Right. Um, but they are they have um, properties that are well known internationally and highly rated in terms of a tourism a, a community tourism model. And so um, with with Councillor Tasha Boris, who is the the, the secretary for tourism, tourism and the THA mm -hmm. and a small group, we went there to talk about how to replicate a community tourism model mm -hmm. in in Tobago. And so we do work on sustainability. Um, we work with with um, countries, um, communities, subnational governments like the the THA to develop the economy based on what is suitable for that area, right? So mm -hmm. it's not about doing something in Chile and taking that... And um, trying to impose and, it on and Jamaica. And imposing it on Jamaica or Trinidad and Tobago mm -hmm. or Barbados, even though there might be learning there that is important. So in that sense, we would try to, to, to have partnerships built and relationships built across these countries so we can learn from each other, but not necessarily replicate exactly what was done. I had the opportunity to visit Jamaica 10 years ago. I think it was in 2014. Um, and I went there as part of a cultural exchange. To, and, but being in the media for such a long period of time, I look at things differently. And I could not help but make comparisons about what exists in Jamaica how Jamaica does certain things, the psyche of the population and how important that is to the success of things like tourism. And I couldn't help but, you know, compare to what happens here at home. In Trinidad, we have very little respect for tourism and tourists, simply because we've not, we've not had the need to depend on tourism and the tourism dollar to survive. Um, because we've had oil and gas. It's a blessing and it has been a curse because it has prevented us from exploring other avenues of income. That's a fact and we can't get away from it. Jamaica, on the other hand, has not had the benefit of oil and gas dollars and had to fight to create a tourism industry that is now an example to the world of what tourism should be. When I was there, everyone that you met in the hotel, on, on the events, in the street, everybody was an ambassador for Jamaica. Every, everyone, even uh, there's some fellow who was selling Pomerac on the side of the road and, and we stop and you, this man talk about oh, Jamaica. You, you mean June Plum, we June, call it June Right, Plum. right, right. That's <laughs> it correct. It was, but it really was an amazing experience because we drove for five hours. That's the longest I ever spent in a vehicle from the airport from one side to the Hilton on the other side of the island. But the drive itself was an, was a, was an insight into how well oiled the tourism machinery is in Jamaica. Because the driver intentionally took us to, to specific spots along the route to show us what is there, to carry us by people so we could buy a little thing so that the economy of the smaller um, entrepreneur continues to grow. And it was just so well put together. The synergy of every single thing working for a greater good was amazing. Yeah, I think that's... You know, as a proud Jamaican, very proud of our country and what we have to offer. And yes, we have um, built a, a strong reputation in the tourism industry. Mm -hmm. Having said that, 
um, it's important to recognize that every country in the Caribbean, I believe, has um, different strengths. Right? Mm-hmm. So the different economic um, assets, yes, which could be leveraged to grow and develop the economy. And of course, here in Trinidad and Tobago, it has been oil and gas. And, and we like to think about transferable skills that can be used to diversify the economy. Mm-hmm. So with a strong industrial base, TNT has been able to build out a manufacturing industry, which right. is stronger than what you see across the rest of the Caribbean. What's important is for us to build and leverage those strengths and then to establish trade so that we expand the economic pie for the entire region instead of necessarily trying to do the same things that our neighbors are doing. Um, So where it is appropriate, we can um, replicate elements like the community tourism model for Tobago that I just spoke about. But also it's important for us to specialize in areas where we have those assets. And here in Trinidad and Tobago, we certainly see the ability to leverage the built capacity and the knowledge and expertise built up in oil and gas and move that now um, to, to add renewable energy in areas like green hydrogen, which is the next big thing, and also to, to leverage the highly educated population here to, to look at digital markets, mm-hmm. right? So um, we're working a lot with the Ministry of Digital Transformation to build digital skills um, because the population is already very exposed and highly educated and there is a lot of potential there, so it's transferable. There's a new discussion. Well, I I don't know if new is the right term, but there's a discussion now about digital versus artificial intelligence. Uh, and and if it continues to grow, it continues to morph into something else. Into I, I've been seeing it popping up on my timeline one way or the other. That persons who are involved in marketing and all of these other things are saying digital dead. Artificial intelligence is the way to go. What's the IDB's view? It's a continuum. And, and to be honest, there's no turning back. So um, countries and economies are at different stages. Societies mm-hmm. are at different stages on the continuum. Some are just digitalizing. They have paper-based economies and processes. And they're just converting those um, to be accessible online. Some are changing processes already to, to, to offer government services and um, services of businesses um, in a digital way using technology. And then there are others now who are, who are leveraging and integrating AI into the way that business is done and the way that services are offered. Mm-hmm. There isn't any turning back because um, as we move forward in human consciousness and development, we use these tools to expand possibilities. And with the convenience um, that young people have, have seen and their integration as digital natives, we, we will not go back to um, a pre-digital world. What we have to do is evolve along with, with, with it, understanding that there are certain um, threats and dangers that also have to be managed, like cybersecurity, for mm-hmm. example. But there isn't any turning back. We, we need to embrace these, these tools. Um, you know, in the, in the education system, you're not going to get away from AI 
what you need to do is not have that replace critical thinking skills and and allow AI to be used in an intelligent way to inform the growth of knowledge but but not to replace mm-hmm. um, what humans are contributing to the to the to the education yeah. and the growth of knowledge yeah it's it's an interesting discussion um, and it 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 gives us a, an insight into where we need to go where we are actually in some instances and where we need to go but in this country and I'm not too sure what the experience is in 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 other parts of the Caribbean or the region or whatever we had a discussion some time ago in the program about a cashless society because in in many instances already we engage in practices that are cashless but when you try to have a formal discussion on cashless there is a lot of objection and re- resistance and pushback and people bring up all kinds of things about um, is it safe? I don't understand it. I don't care about it. I want my bank book and I want to hold my money in my hand and all of that kind of thing. And now to take the discussion even further from a cashless to digital to, to artificial intelligence is a real work in progress. Uh, here at home, it, it, there are people who still don't want a bank account because they don't want anything to do with banks. That's a reality that the COVID-19 pandemic showed us. And, and we had a changeover of the $100 bill in the end of 2019 that highlighted, and that's not long ago, that highlighted in such a pronounced way that a large enough portion of the country does not trust systems. They don't trust advancements. They don't trust anything that is seen as corporate for whatever reason because they have their fears. So as the, the, the IDB would be, of course, confronting some of these across the region, mm-hmm. how do we begin to get people to even have the discussion, to open their minds and say, because I remember many years ago, someone had said, not being able to use a computer is going to be akin to not being able to read and write. We are there. Uh, technology is still a, 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 a traumatizing thing for some people. It can be. How do we move forward? So I think First of all, it's very important that in any transition, we try to be as inclusive as possible. Mm -hmm. So we shouldn't be leaving anyone behind. Right. You know, there are people who may not have had access to digital skills training or the use of digital tools because they have challenging socioeconomic circumstances, or um, maybe it's, it's, as you say, a a resistance in their, Mm -hmm. in their mindset, but you don't want to leave anyone behind and what you want to do is to demonstrate the benefits and emphasize that this can be an avenue for you to get greater access to your ser- to services offered by the government and, and other providers. So for example, iGovTT, which was part of our praise awards, this is where we recognize public sector entities which are innovating, mm-hmm. um, submitted an, a, a, a proposal, not a proposal, a sub, they submitted an application for the praise awards based on a service that they're providing for pensioners mm. to be verified um, across the country in their various communities. And through the use of technology, that verification process, which has to be done monthly, periodically, can be done in the space of a couple of minutes. 
using technology where mm -hmm. if it was the paper-based verification system or you had to go to to a centralized place to do it then this would take a considerable um amount of time and and pensioners would have to sit down the entire day waiting to 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 have that verification done and now it's done in a few minutes so i think there 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 is an opportunity to demonstrate for anyone that digital tools and technology can have a really positive benefit on the services that they want to access. Um, it, it, it can improve their lives in such a way that they, they, they're not, they will accept it and embrace it. I mean, if you think about it, grandparents are, are using WhatsApp now to talk to their grandchildren mm -hmm. because this has made that communication and, and maintaining those relationships easier for them. Mm -hmm. So they will embrace it if the benefits are properly demonstrated. Mm -hmm. And that's how we try to work with yeah. um, stakeholders and collaborate with them. Well, we're out of time. And it's amazing how quickly the time flew by because the conversation really is that engaging. Um, when you think of the IDB, as I said, you know, there are people who don't understand the organization and all that it intends to do or can do to help uh, to make the world that we live in a better place by helping people with their ideas their projects and all these other things so um as, as we end uh, we barely scratched the surface i'm sure we'll have another discussion but tell people how they can get in touch with you all if they want to sure so the best way is to follow us on social media we are on instagram facebook linkedin um, it's CN Coburn Rep TT. Remember, Coburn spelt Cockburn. And we put all our information there. We talk a lot about the work that we're doing. And um, this, is, this is a good way to be in touch with the Inter-American Development Bank here in Trinidad and Tobago. That's we're going to have to leave it this morning. It was my pleasure speaking to you this morning. Thank you. Definitely, I'm sure that we'll have you back. I want to thank you for being with us and for sharing um, all of the information with our listeners. And that's where we drop our interview this morning. Thank you once again for being here. Pleasure. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio, Freedom 106.5.